0: Good evening, everybody. Well, I got to enjoy a fabulous day today, and uh, had lunch with my brother. And it's always nice to be with uh, fellow believers to come together—the the gathering of the saints on Sunday—and come together. We should never forsake that. But as we were having lunch with my brother, I, you know, I kind of made a comment the fact that. Uh, Being in in uh, in the Word and being filled with the Spirit, we we recognize the the depravity of the world, the sins that take place, and sometimes it it, it weighs heavy on even believers that we see what's going on around us. and uh, And I says, Well, I don't know how much I've been praying these days for the forgiveness of our sins as a nation, more so than just accepting it and knowing that the coming of God's wrath is going to be coming, and just Please protect my family and, and give me the strength to endure that because uh, he promises he will. And my brother says, you know, brother, he says, uh, you know, when, when God, what God does is he pulls back his restraint. He'll pull back the Holy Spirit. He'll pull back his prophets and allow the reprobates to just take over. He says, we're still here proclaiming the truth of God's word, ain't we? And I said, Amen. You know, and uh, so this evening, thus says the Lord. And as long as across this country there are strong enough men filled with the Spirit to say, "Thus says the Lord," and to open up this good book and preach out of it, we're still engaged in this battle. Uh, and uh, and I just want you to know that. And another reassuring fact that Jesus is sitting right now at the right hand of God, and He will accomplish all that He needs to accomplish. He will defeat every ideology, thought process, antichrist, anything that's against God and his Father's will. He will defeat. And we're, we're doing this right now. And we can do it with fellow believers like yourself. I ask you not to get discouraged. I ask you to get plugged in with a church, with a Bible-believing church that expounds on God's Word. I believe an expository preacher, whether he can articulate his words, uh, as well as others compared to a topical preacher will far exceed and feed your soul uh, that we need. So I just encourage you to do that. Tonight we're going to be in First John, the second chapter. I did, a, a, I thought, a marvelously long introduction. So we're going to try to move through, through it a little quicker this week. I think I've covered a lot of the uh, theological points in my mind that I stumble over as I'm reading the text and, and my job is to share that with with the reader yourself, beloved. So this evening we're gonna be in uh first John second chapter. Uh so we'll just get right into it and start reading reading some of it and I remember when we started the book, we uh There's three points that it's pretty redundant. It goes over and over again. It's the assurance of our salvation. We're not perfect. And to love one another. And I'll ask you this. uh, That it tells us. Actually, I might as well just quote it properly. It tells us at the end this evening. The end verses. It tells us... And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. That we may, when we finally get to meet the Lord, when we go home and stand before the Lord, that we not shrink back of fear or whatever it may be, that we can stand and just proudly in his righteousness. I've always. Wondered about that, thinking I'll be down on my knees just, you know, because he's just such an awesome God. But the assurance of our salvation, knowing that we've been saved. In this book, it goes over that over and over again. Matter of fact, to know him, it states 40 times in this epistle, to know, 40 times. It's putting an emphasis on know. And to keep his commandments, 10 times. Uh... So I ask you the question, how can you faithfully minister the gospel of Jesus Christ if you don't have the assurance of your salvation? If you'll shrink back on the day when you get to meet the Lord, you have any hesitation or feeling that you're going to shrink back, how could you possibly proclaim the truth of, of Jesus Christ to those that are alive today? And that's what this book does. It helps us with that assurance that we can proclaim his truth. And to understand we're, we're far from perfect. And most of all, it, it takes an old command, makes it into a new command that we may be able to understand it a, a lot better. Uh, you know, we, we know them two commands. The first command is to love God with our heart, mind, and soul and love others as we love ourselves is what it tells us in the Old Testament. I'm kind of getting ahead of the, on the message here. So let's just restart reading. My little children. Now, we, we covered that last week. When it states down here, it, it states there's three groups. There's little children, fathers, and young men. And I, I went over that into the fact that it's not the age of an individual. It's your spiritual growth. It's where you're at spiritually. The, the children would be somebody that just has enough knowledge uh, for the saving grace. Uh, everything how it was represented to us in the first chapter of First John. Uh, who He was, that He manifested Himself in the form of His creation, that He lived this sinless life, that He died for us, that He's our advocate. Just just enough. You're drawn to that. You have just enough knowledge for your salvation, and you believe. Then the, the young men would be the ones that can fight off the wills of the devil. They begin to uh, internalized scripture. They they understand what's right and wrong when somebody's telling them something wrong or out of context. It just doesn't sit right with them. They say, no, that's, that's not right. Something ain't sitting right. And then the fathers would be the ones that would be the instructors, the teachers of God's word to, to you know, expound on the word, to accurately d- divide God's word, to share that uh, expository preachers, not topical preachers, expository, able to take the test, the text that's before them, expound on it, and share what the creator wanted you to get out of that text and be able to bring broken people to that point. That would be a maturity level uh, in, in your spirituals. So this it starts off our second chapter, it says, my little children. Now, I know a lot of people in the commentary book, it it went right into, but if if anyone does sin, we have an advocate for the Father. But they never even looked at the first three words, my little children. So is, I just present a question to you. Is he assuring the young believer at this point that he's speaking to them? Because the young men and the fathers will uh, should already know what I'm getting ready to say. So he's giving the assurance to the young believer, the, the baby in Christ, Uh He's saying to them, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, you see, when we're young in the Lord and we can easily get thrown back into the law, and we're we're no longer under the law with the flesh because the flesh was weak. And he's giving us this assurance. First, he tells us not to sin. And then he says, if we do, that we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation. He's the one that traded places for me. Last week, I think I gave a very accurate description of Jesus being the defense attorney. uh, My advocate. But not only just the defense attorney... He takes the punishment of my crime. And not only does he take the punishment of my crime, it's that I'm totally vindicated as if I had never done it. So propitiation means he traded places with me. That it wasn't, I was totally exonerated. As if I had never done it. Not that I was found out guilty. And there's always that, that cloud over one. No, no. See, when Jesus lived that sinless life and died for me, and also you, he completely exonerated us, as if we'd never done it. The joy that should bring to each each and every believer. I I would believe that young men would already have that seared in their hearts, and the fathers would, but I believe the children may struggle with that, and, and have that coming to the understanding, what Truly had taken place. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, my brother did a wonderful job. He's uh, doing the Sermon on the Mound. And he he really got into the, the literal, the flesh being able to follow the commandments and the law and by the Spirit. That it's... It was by the Spirit. Because when it tells us if you lust after somebody, then you should rip your eye out. Well, we don't take that literally. We don't take that from the flesh because our flesh is incapable of doing that. It's by the Spirit that we know. You did a wonderful job. You should listen to that. We're going to touch on a little bit. of. But this is one of these things when when Paul addresses this very extensively in, in Romans 6. Uh, and I really like how he handles it. And what he says in there, he says something in regard to that I'm speaking to you in human terms. I'm speaking to you as a finite creature because this is such a complex issue that I that God can't speak to you for you to get the understanding. So he, he has to speak it to us in human terms. And we, we struggle with this. We struggle with it. And we will struggle with this until the day we die. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 7. I think I, I want to state Romans uh, chapter 6 first. It says, Romans chapter 6, 17 and 18. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I, I love the terminology. I love the words. And here's, here's God thanking you, beloved, for, for being a sinner, for you understanding how to be a slave to your sin. See, beloved, at one time, your sin told you when to wake up, when to go to bed, what to do. That's all you had in your mind. That's, it dominated you, it ruled you. And then you were drawn by the Spirit. You believed. You have the Spirit of God in you now. And now you know how to be obedient to your new master. You know how to be obedient to God. It was such a good training for you, what you went through. This is our attitude towards God. And, and Paul's thanking God that we went through that. that that's what it says. But, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin. Thanks to God that you, beloved, were a slave to sin. Why? Because now you know how to be a slave to God. Now I know we hate the word slave, uh, I know that bothers us, but I'm not going to get into a message on that today, do loss, uh, but the fact is is uh, a slave uh, has no rights, can't own property, has no voting rights, and just as my sin took all my rights from me and told me what to do, that now I look at my God and, and Continue to walk in the spirit and, and surrender myself to him. Now, how does he look at me? See, beloved, he, he doesn't look at me as the, as the master with the whip. He says he's adopted me into the family. He allows me to know the family business. Wow, what an awesome thing. But Paul actually prays for that. So this is where we were at, all of us. We were at. But then Romans 7, he gets into, he says, verses 5 and 6, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in the members to bear fruit for death. Now let's back up and think about that a second. He says, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, what did they do? Aroused by the law. We're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. In other words, when you were trapped in your sin, your sin, by knowing the law, what it did, it aroused you, it excited you, it, it wanted you to sin more. Not that the law was bad by no means, but that's the depravity, the sin nature, the fallen nature of man, and we're gonna have that. We have to deal with this body to the day we die. Then he goes on to say, but now we are released from the law, okay, having died to that which held us captive. Remember how I, I was talking about how my sin owned me, how your sin owned you, beloved, how you did it? You died to which held you captive, us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, key word, the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We have to begin to walk in the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but the Spirit. We must transition from the lust and desire of our flesh and begin to listen to the Spirit that God has filled us with the Holy Spirit. And we are to rely on that. We are to go towards that. Not back to the flesh. Because we, we will still continue to battle with that. So with that being said. He's telling us here. I, I did point already to know, Because in verse 4 he says. For whoever says I know him. But does not keep his commandment. Is a liar. And the truth is not in him. I'm not trying to, this is not trying to drag you back into the law and to rely on your flesh to abstain from God's commandments. But it's, it's making a very, something very evident here. Know Him. Now, I spent a lot of time in my introduction on knowing Him. Just the, the, shorter, the shorter version of knowing Him, that we can know that Mary knew Joseph before they consummated the marriage after Jesus with his, uh, with his other siblings. He didn't know her at that time. And the way it's supposed to be in marriage, we know somebody, but we don't consummate the marriage until after we're married, and then we know them. Now, there's something about that that, that, that I just want to say, is you cannot unknow somebody. See? It's, it, you, once you know, you know. See, before, when I knew, when people know him, and they say, oh, I know God, I know Jesus, but they really truly don't know him, they don't know him. But when you know God, when you know Jesus, when you have that saving, regenerating spirit come into your body, and you can begin to walk in the spirit, and no longer the flesh, you hunger and thirst for God's word, You know him. When you go through different trials and tribulations in your life and you can face it with all joy, my brethren, and still praise and worship your God and say, God, it's for your glory. It's all going to work for the best. I'll consider it and look at this as a joyful experience. And it will not shake my faith and my belief in who Jesus is, who God is. I don't need to run back to my sin. I know him. See? That's the difference. It's not a jailhouse prayer. Oh God, get me out of this one. Next time you're in trouble. Oh God, get me out of this I'll never do it again. But does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. There is a newness of life. Hasn't the old passed away? The new's begun. If you cannot see a clear distinction in your life where the old has died died in Christ and the new has arisen if you cannot see a clear distinction I hope that's I I I hope that's conflicting you or, or causing you some issues to think about that. That listen, am am I am I saved? Do I know him? I haven't changed. I said the prayer. I I got baptized I did everything they told me to do, but I'm still lusting after the flesh. I'm still desiring the things of the flesh. Nothing's changed. On Sunday morning, they all changed. I I told you how well I'm doing, but then when I went home, was I in God's word? Was there a new creation? There, There should, brother, brethren, there should clearly be a new spirit and a new generation. And with that, he's giving, he's telling us from the beginning that if you sin, he says not to sin, follow my commandments, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So immediately we should feel conflicted when we know that we're doing out something outside of God's will, we're mourning the Spirit, we're grieving the Spirit, our flesh is got a moment over us, we recognize it. We're conflicted. He tells us by the words. If you're not keeping my words, we're keeping his words. He's telling us his word is to admit it. If I blew up at somebody and cussed them out, I don't need not to stay away. I need to say, God, forgive me. And I need to maybe go to that person and ask for forgiveness and say, you know, that wasn't... uh, that wasn't Christian-like of me. Uh, I'm sorry. For whatever reason, my flesh, my anger, took got the best of me. It was wrong. You acknowledged you're wrong. You owned it. You give it to. You have an advocate with the Father who's already told you he's going to completely exonerate you. But if you can't get off the pride in your self pride and surrender these things to God, you will continue to have pain in your life. Because if it continues to, to cause conflict in your heart, I would say you continue mourning and grieve the spirit. If you have no conflict in your heart, and we'll get to that, these, this group of people in a little bit here, we'll talk about that then. We're just going to move on now. Now, this new commandment. I love this part. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have, have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. But whoever hates his brother in darkness, and walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes, I am writing to you, little children, not young men that knows how to fight out the wills of the devil, not fathers, oh, I'm sorry, this is where he's going to start breaking it down and going into that. We're going to stop there. Now, this commandment that he doesn't state, he never actually says the commandment here. So... Let, let's, let's help out with that. The, the old commandment, remember, was to love God with our heart, mind, and souls. The new commandment is to love others as you love yourself. Old Testament. That was the, the two greatest That was the commandments that he gave us. Well, see, when Christ came, when God came in the form of his creation, manifested himself in the form of his creation, what, what he did is he showed us. He became personable uh, personable, I mean he's right in front of them. they could see him, they could touch him they could see his grace, his mercy they could see his glory on the transfiguration, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, they could see his glory, they knew who he was he became real, this God that we only heard about and was told about became real to us and he came in the form of his creation lived that sinless life died on that cross with all humility, came as a lamb See, for you, for me, for all those who will believe. Because he loves you. See, so when now I can understand that. See, because when it told me to love others as I love myself, do you know how to love yourself, beloved? Have you always loved yourself? Tell me how well you know how to love yourself. That was very troubling for me. I I myself, in my life, love brought pain into my life and brought pain into other people's life, even though I wanted to love you. But because of my fallen, broken nature in me, I, I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know what love was. See, when Jesus, God, your creator, come in the form of his creation and lived and died for each of you that believe in him, exonerated you from your crimes, no condemnation. See, when he did this, he's showing you a love that passes all understanding. And there's not enough words that I can express here tonight to express that love, how deep that love is. Well, see, this is our example now. This is... this is. The old commandment, that's a new commandment because now you can see it. So now when I say that, I say to love God with my heart, mind, and soul and love others as Jesus loved me. See, beloved? It brings on a whole new light. It gives me a whole new standard. It's like way, way, I mean, way up there. And I, I still can't make that standard. I'm still way down here, but I know. I have a standard today. I understand it. And I understand what I must do. And to love others as Christ loved me. And if you're married. And for the fathers on Father's Day. Here's my Father's Day plug. Oh by the way. Here you want a Father's Day plug? I'm going to give you a Father's Day plug. You're the father. You're the husband. You are to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. There's nothing that your wife. Your children. That can do to you that could stop you from not loving them, for you to walk away from them, or for you to reject them. There's no excuse. That love, that example is set so high that God has for us. He tells us to love us the way Christ loved the church. And beloved, when you were out warring against God, when you were getting excited with your sin, because it just aroused you. Did Jesus walk away from you? Did God walk away from you? No, he didn't. He don't walk away from nobody. We walk away from him. So then why should we turn our backs on our mission field? I mean, we would would assume our brothers and sisters, we wouldn't even think of it, but I'm sure some of that goes on too. There's the new commandment for you. Uh, just wrapped up and packaged in a way that we can understand it. It, it, it helped me understand it a lot better. Then we, we go on and explain the little children, the fathers, the young men. Moving on to uh, verse 15. Do not love the world. Oh, here we go. I'm glad we covered that last week because that'll that'll save me from another 10 minutes, you know, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I think we we worked that out and we're going to just, we're going to, we got to touch on it just a little bit more, but let's just read what it says here tonight. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Now, what are these things in the world that we shouldn't be loving? For all that is in the world, here, he's going to give us a a, a list. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So this this is what God's hating. It's the pride of the eyes, pride of the flesh. And I'm going to help you try to understand that a little bit better. In in Corinthians, it tells us, it doesn't tell us that we, we don't war against flesh and blood. That tells us that in Ephesians, it may tell us that in there. But the point where I'm getting to in Corinthians is it tells us what we fight against. It's ideologies and thought processes. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We, we, we battle against these thought processes. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're getting your theology from the chosen who make up their own ideologies, I mean, not to you know, pick on the Roman Catholics, but they're different than the Protestants. We're still protesting them. They, they've, they, they cursed anathema on me because I'm saved by faith through grace. They've never recanted that. So we still need to resolve these issues, which I wish we could, just as Luther wanted to. But to have a Roman Catholic going to the grave site and praying to a guy that was the the minister of this back in San Diego years ago, the revolution, the, the Jesus revolution, and they're praying to the guy that's dead. <laughs> that's the ideology and a thought process that's no good. We, we can't, we, 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 we can't use that. Our ideologies and thought processes come strictly from God's Word, the authoritative from God's Word, not from a TV show. Now, the TV show may be good, like in anything that I disagree with. It stimulates thought. So let's talk about it, brother. Bring, your, bring your, your series from The Chosen. Let's sit down and tell me your theology. And let's us open the Bible up and let's discuss it. Because what will happen then? Because you may be a child in the Word of God. See, you had just enough knowledge for your salvation. All right? But then you may run into a young man that says, Well, we can fight the, the ills of the, the devil here. And we can sit down and begin to talk about this and we can grow as brothers in Christ. And correct me if I'm wrong. If if the two statements I just made are wrong, let's talk about that. I I would really like to discuss. I love nothing more than talking about God. Matter of fact, if, if we hang around long enough, we'll be talking about God. I can pretty much guarantee that. So that's the ideologies and thought process I can go on all day long. With these different ideologies and thought processes. And I'm going to tell you something now. Because we're going to move into that. I'm just going to move right into that. Because it says in here. I'll just keep reading until we get to it. It says children. It is the last hour. And as you have heard that. Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrist have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. Verse 19. Very important verse here. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Well, what's that saying, beloved? They went out from us. They're Antichrist. Well, here's what this is saying Logan's going to get to it in the end of the Sermon on the Mount the path that leads to destructions wide, the, the, the road that is narrow that leads to the gate. Few make it through the gate. Jesus is on the other side and he says, the individual says, Lord, Lord, refers to him as Lord. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So this group of people, they actually go to churches They don't walk away from the church. They continue, that would be the churches, like I would say the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, another church that says, has Christ on their sign, but promotes sin. Uh, These are the ones that, you know, they they like believed in Jesus. They believed in the name of Jesus, but uh, it, it wasn't enough. And, and you'll notice something. They, they say, we did this and we did that. It's always them. They always talk about what they did. I'm not talking about this group. Here's a group of people outright reject God. Just outright reject them. And, and it, it's just not something nowadays. If we go back to John chapter 6, Jesus creates the breads of loaf and all this food and feeds all these people. He has people traveling from one side of the Tiberias to the other and travel journeys and it was 5,000 and there's the women and the children. Maybe there was upwards of 15,000 people and he's creating these miracles out of nothing. And then he goes on to say, referring to himself as the bread, the bread of life. As he's the light, he's the word that we must eat it. And, and it was hard for these people to, to grasp that. And it says, many of his disciples left. Many, lots of people defected. Mass defection from once professing. These are not regenerated souls. They, they, they taste it the miracle of them? They seen the miracle? They seen the miracles Jesus did? They wanted more. They wanted him to kidnap them and for them to be their king. They wanted for their fleshly desires. They, they were really enticed by the cry, crowd mentality. You know, once we see a lot of people gathering, man, they were right in there with it and, and he's giving food and what can you give me? More food? I want more food. I want this. I, I want that. They walked away. They came to the full revelation. They came to the full knowledge who Jesus was, and they rejected Him. There, there's no second. Uh, Hebrews chapter six tells us we're not going to. God's not going to sacrifice Jesus again. Not that they ever had their salvation, but they walked away from it. Here, when it tells us that they walked away, they were never of us. They were never saved. They were never re- they were never regenerated. They never were walking in the spirit. They weren't doing that. They walked away, and then at that point, they begin to live a life the way they once lived, with their sin, with the lust of their flesh and their desires, and they begin to promote ideologies, false gospels, false God to the world. They're the anti Christ. They're all out there. We, we can identify them because they talk about denying who Christ is in the resurrection. Remember the other group of people saying, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that. But this group clearly has passed judgment on themselves when they walked away from the church. They walked away and they started promoting false, false ideologies and thought processes. And they became Antichrist, is what it tells us. They went out from us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. You, beloved, have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. And it, it, it. And you all have knowledge. You didn't even sp- started speaking to the children. You have the basic knowledge who Christ is. You will never deny who Christ is and what he did. You've been anointed. You have this knowledge. Not because you, you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is in the truth. Who is, is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? See, when they went out, and say they no longer accept Christ. I'm going back how I used to live. They deny Christ. They deny who he is. Remember when I started out about knowing Jesus? Once you know him, you can't unknow him. That doesn't happen. This is, what's, what is this? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Denying the Father and the Son is simply to walk away from the church. And begin to walk after the flesh you're lustily flushed of your own desire, and you have no conflict about it. Now, I, I know one can, can uh, mourn the spirit, grieve the spirit, but that one will have, sincerely have conflict, pain inside their hearts, comparatively speaking, to one that's really enjoying the lust of the flesh, encouraging others to do it, thinking of more ways to create evil, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son as the Father also. Let now, remember, this is not the people that's going to get to the gate. These people are not saying, Lord, Lord. So let's not, confuse, let's not confuse the two groups. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us. What's that promise? Eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to what? Deceive you. To teach you false ideologies and thought processes from a man centered view. This is God centered. Right here. The scripture of God. God centered expounding on the text of his word. That's God's center. Anything outside of the text of God, trying to explain God, will be false ideologies and thought processes. But the anointing that he, you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Now, beloved, I'm not saying that you know it all, you don't need to be instructed. What he's saying here is, we, we we live in a land that we have more Bibles in this country than any other place. we got the internet, we can listen to commentaries of different people's viewpoints to break this down. Uh, I'm very not really good with uh, language skills, so I have the ability to listen to other people. What's this saying? And I can listen to them say this, and one guy says that. But see, what I know is the Spirit, when I pray to God in James, and it tells him, Lord, give me wisdom. He says, God, Jesus, God says that for those to pray for wisdom, and he will give it to you abundantly. Now that wisdom is not picking the right lottery number. That's not the wisdom he's talking about. That's for you to have an accurate understanding of his word and his will in your life. So I don't need to be taught that. But I do receive instruction from other godly men. I don't, wanna, I don't want to, because I know my heart, and because I know my flesh, I, I love being around godly men and listening to what they have to say. And let look at the fruit of their work. How are they living their lives? What are they doing? But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is, has taught you, abide in him. Isn't God's word such a blessing to be able to read his word? And, you know, John, the book of John and 1 John, they're they're literal. Uh, like literal. And then in the, in the last couple of verses, and now little children abide in him. I think before I do that, I just want to go back a little bit to, uh, like I started off, Back in Jesus' time and even before Jesus' time, the people that depart uh, in Deuteronomy 13.13, they went out from us, they were never of us. And it says, 13.13, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known. Now these other gods can be any sin you want to choose. Once it, you become a slave to it, that could be your God. Acts 20.30 tells us, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. This is an ongoing problem. This is a this is people that move away from God's word, have a man-centered theology, and they begin to draw people away. John fourteen twenty-three. Jesus answered him, "If anyone loves me, no, that doesn't go that 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 goes with knowing." Uh, John eight forty-four. You are of your father, the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 28. And now little children, Abide in Him. Does that mean the young men already know to abide in Him in Him, the fathers, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him? I think so. Maybe I'm I'm graduating from a child to a young man or a father at some point because I I often thought of me shrinking back. That I don't know how I could stand. Be, you know, he, he tells me in Ephesians that I'll be able to stand before a all holy God, righteous. That when he looks at me, he's going to be looking at Jesus because he was the propitiation of my sins. You know, I've heard that, but have I put that to knowing that in my heart and understanding that? That I, I'm, I'm not this some slave that I've adopted into the family. And, he, and it tells me right here to have confidence and not to shrink from him in shame at his coming. In shame. And I, and I know, beloved, that a lot of us, and even myself, oftentimes, I think of the things I've done in my past and that, that brings shame in, into me, uh, onto me. Maybe it brings it onto you, decisions you've made and everything. But understanding and knowing how can we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're completely... Don't understand that we're completely exonerated. We've been completely forgiven. And it doesn't give us a pass to go out and sin more. It doesn't do that. We've been completely exonerated. I I think that may help us understand that love. To love others as Christ loved us. If we can begin to understand that. That. Because we we understand the severity of the crime that we've done. We understand that. And to understand that you've been exonerated as if you've never done that. But when we stand before him, I even heard there's going to be a a marvelous dinner up there. He's going to be our server. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to serve us. How can that be? How can that be? I I think even Peter says he, he didn't want him washing his feet. And he says, well, I got to, Peter. You don't understand. You know? That's just something for us to think about. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, as we enter that throne room, with confidence (laughs) this evening Father not to shrink back but just the revelation on how deep your love was for us. How we've been exonerated for all the crimes we've committed and all we have to do is cry out to you and believe confess to you believe accurately the Jesus of the Bible not the Jesus of A TV show. But the Jesus of the Bible. To believe in that Jesus accurately. As it's declared in your scripture. To believe. That we receive all these. All this mercies. All the grace upon grace. Mercy upon mercy. Father may it strengthen every believer. That hears these words. Believes these words. To strengthen them. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in this fallen world. As long as God hasn't pulled back the Holy Spirit and pulled back his people that want to proclaim the truth of his word. We're still in the battle. Get off the bench. Get in the game. Proclaim Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name.